0: All right, let me uh, get this thing fixed up here. Just a second, and we'll get going. Okay, okay. Yeah, hit the wrong button. Okay. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, Part Twenty. Last week we were looking at the Son of Man, Revelation one, twelve, and thirteen. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likening to the Son of Man, that's King James, but in the other one, all the other translations, it's a Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head, his hair, his head and his hairs were like wool. It's white as snow, his eyes were flame as fire, his feet like into fine brass, they burned in a furnace, and his voice, the sound of many waters. We're not just looking at Jesus here, we are, but we're looking at the corporate, the many-membered body of Jesus Christ. He didn't get up alone, when he got up, you got up. He raised up in us. We are, as Paul the Apostle says, bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh. The one John saw in the midst of the candlesticks is the complete Christ, head and body, the many-membered man with uh, Christ being the head. George Houghton wrote this, and I want you to think about this. Was not Jesus the Alpha? Formed within the womb of Mary to come forth in manifestation as Christ, the head of the body. Should it seem strange that the body of Christ, the Omega, should be formed in the midst of the church, the woman? Was not this the thing John was seen by revelation? This was the Christ in His fullness, the Alpha and Omega together. Now, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, head and body. You know, when a baby's born, naturally it comes out head first and then the body. Christ in His fullness, the Alpha and Omega together, the first and the last in one. Jesus of Nazareth, the head and one body, many members. With the harmony of mighty symphony, for the voice He heard was the sound of many waters. George Houghton wrote that. The same picture, I'll I'll flip over there, I won't read all this, in Revelation 12. We have a woman there, appeared a a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. In verse 5, and she brought forth a man-child, this woman brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was called up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God. We'll get to Revelation 12 eventually. But the man child was birthed by the woman. The man child is of the woman. He's out from the woman. Yet he's not the woman. You you see the distinction here. The Son of Man is in the midst of the churches, yet He's not the churches. The woman goes into the wilderness. The man-child is called up into God and to His throne. I want you to see the distinction. Now, the candlestick, we've we've studied this a lot before, is in the holy place. You had the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. The glory was in the most holy place, or the holiest of all, holy of holies. The separation there was the veil. Now, we know, Paul says, the veil is done away in Christ. But he says the veil is still on the heart when Moses is read, or the scriptures. But when it shall turn, the heart shall turn. You'll see the veil is done away. Uh, see, the church dwells in the holy place. We could say uh, of Pentecost, okay? Three three feasts, three major feasts, Passover, brass altar, sacrifice, lamb, Pentecost, the oil in the candlesticks, the light, the Feast of Tabernacles, the great joy, the, great, the, the throne, okay? Uh, you have to study those. Uh, Same thing with the the three days, day one, day two, day three. Pentecost, second day, which falls short of the third day, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, which falls short of perfection. Now, I know what you're saying here. Now, wait a minute. I thought we was already seated with him in heavenly places. I'm talking about an experience here. And because it, it's not that the that the way into the holiest of all hasn't been available, hasn't been opened, it's available. But rather, the church has not risen up to enter in. Let me give you a verse here in in uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter ten, verse nineteen. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say. His flesh And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. Now I can keep on going there, but he's, he's encouraging us to come on. You know, to come come and see John, he's encouraging us to, to come boldly into the throne of grace by a new and living way, which is consecrated through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So it's open, but the church has chosen to stay in Pentecost in the second day, in the lesser light. Believers have sold themselves short of all the great provisions of God. Christ has entered into that which is within the veil, the absolute fullness of God. He's, he's opened the way for men to enter in into a full and complete salvation, into sons of God. Jesus is the apostle of our faith. Uh, uh, he's the forerunner. He's, he's the prototype. He's the firstborn. He's the pioneer. He entered in for us and as us. This manifestation is, is the glory. Now listen. You know the scriptures said that you know the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. He's lit the candle. That's day two. That's Pentecost. That's that's the oil. That's that's Christ in, but there's more. I remember uh, Brother J.W. Lumen talking about one time after Pentecost, what's next? And 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 you know the church has been been stuck right there. And I thank God for Pentecost, not taking anything away from Pentecost. But that wasn't it. There's glory. Uh, the manifestation is the glory, not the indwelling spirit as the oil in the candlestick, but the blazing Shekinah glory over the mercy seat in the holiest of all, the Feast of Tabernacles. Everything went, was leading to the Feast of Tabernacles. What, that's resurrection life. That's third day. Now, Many priests could minister in the holy place where stood the candlestick, the tables of showbread, the golden altar of incense. But only one man, the high priest, was called to minister in the holiest of all where dwelt the Ark of the Covenant and the glory of the God of Israel. Under the old Pentecostal church order... Men minister by the light of the indwelling anointing in the dimness of the, of, of the holy place realm. Not the most holy place. I mean, imagine in a room and you got a candle. It couldn't compare it to the glory that was beyond the veil. Now, they, they dwell there in, in the realm of the candlestick to call out a people for the Lord's name. To walk there in the light of Pentecost, to eat the bread of Christ, to offer up spiritual sacrifices of praise at the golden altar of incense. The holy place of the candlestick is a unique position. Uh, If you've studied the tabernacle before, at its entrance, it touches the outer court. The other side of it touches the most holy place. In the outer court, we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ at the brazen altar. It's a picture of the cross. And thus brought to a personal reconciliation with God. The outer court's a personal experience. You know, people come with their testimony and, you know, all of their testimony. Not the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, but their testimony. They've met at the brass altar. We've heard it. We've had ours. It's where the sinner meets With the Lord one-on-one and first experiences the Lord as salvation right there at the brass altar. From there we go on into the holy place. Into the fellowship of the church. As the corporate candlestick, it had many branches. Where we're enlightened by the Spirit. Strengthened by the showbread. Brought to a spiritual life of communion and prayer and praise and worship upon the golden altar of incense. Here our understanding is enlightened that we have come beyond the outer court. Yet we can still touch the outer court. We've not yet experienced the surpassing glory of the holiest of all, realms beyond the veil. But we can also touch it. It's right there. And we can enter in only from the holy place. Right? There was only one access behind the veil. Jesus is the way, you know. He's the door, not doors, many, one. That was the only access place. And as we then pass in our high priest beyond the veil, we step beyond the Pentecostal church order to enter in from glory to glory. You, can you see that? This is the throne round that John beheld. The man-child, call up, into, call up into God and the throne. That's, the throne is upon the mercy seat. That's the realm. Excuse me, the realm of glory. In the new order of the kingdom of God, the, the, the sons... Now listen to me here. The new order of the kingdom of God, the sons shall bring life to the whole creation by the power of His resurrection. God has determined to fill the earth with the new creation uh, men, matured into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You, you realize that His appearing is our appearing? Because we appear with Him, as Him. If you've seen me, you've seen Him. I know those are heavy words right there. That's, it's it's truth. God gave, listen, God gave Adam, the first man, the power to multiply and reproduce himself. He told him to go do it. And it was through Eve, which was his wife, that his image was reproduced and birthed into the world. Now think of that. He He told him to go multiply and it was through Eve that his image was reproduced. In like manner, the same power has been given to the second man, the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, to reproduce himself in the earth. And God has given the second man a wife, who is called the church, that through her, his image might be reproduced and birthed into the world. But that which is birthed into the world is not the church. It's the very image and glory of the Christ of God. Do, do you see that? Let me, let me go over here to, to John. I know you know the verse. Uh, we quote it all the time here. Um, John twelve twenty four. Verily, verily, truth, truth, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Here he is, Jesus it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Where does the fruit come from? It comes from the woman, the church. The same prophecy that was told back in Genesis that the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. Now, yes, the head has done it, but now... This many-membered man, Jesus is not just the Jesus of Nazareth. He's a corporate man now. That's the point I'm trying to make. He's a corporate man, a many-membered man that's being birthed, that's being brought forth. It's, that's the manifestation of the sons of God. Little does the world know the glory that, it, that is about to come. A, a man-child is ready to be born. A son of man is ready to appear in the midst of the golden candlesticks, the churches. And that appearing, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Thrones will topple, the earth shall reel to and fro like a, a drunken man. No remote corner of the earth will remain untouched by that which God is doing. God's man in his image shall take the kingdom and shepherd all nations with a rod of iron. I mean, it's right here. We're going to go through all of this. I mean, uh, it amazes me why so many people want to get out of here when the meek shall inherit the earth. God made this earth, this land, this dirt and rhinoceros and all of this, and he said it was good. And, and sin, we lost it all, gave it all away. And now through, the, the, through this man, a child, Through Christ Jesus, the Lord, we're going to take it back. Now, why do people want to leave? Anyway. The earth shall be filled with the glory of God. The knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The curse shall be broken. All flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. All nations, all kindreds shall come to worship before Him. Creation will be delivered. Joy. War no more. No no more... terrible murders, no more abortions, uh, all of these things. The Lord has spoken, none can stay His hand, He'll bring it to pass. And when I say the curse shall be broken, I want you to hear me right here. The curse is broken, those who are in Christ are not under the curse, but I want you to understand here, that the wrath of God abides on the children of disobedience the the i mean look at look at these cities that's going on look at all, i mean my goodness to say the earth is not under a curse my goodness i think we would be blind now for those who Come unto him and take his yoke upon you and learn of him. The, the curse is gone. Jesus Christ took it away. When we're baptized, what are we doing? We're taken we're out of that old man who the curse abides on and we're translated into the new man, into the kingdom of his dear son where there's no more curse, where there is life. We went from death to life. See, we think we go from life to death. No, we go from death to life. Evening and the morning were the first day. Now, back in Revelation here, we read this verse early. Read it again, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to set a man clothed with a garment down to his foot. Gird about the paps with a golden girdle, his head, his hairs were like wool, white as snow, his eyes were flame of fire, feet like fine brass, and they burned as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. It's a many membered man here. And his garment, his head, his hairs, his eyes, his feet, his voice. Each of these is a unique aspect of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this revelation will produce an unveiling of him in the midst of the church. You know, you unveil something that's already there. I wish the church could see he's already there in the midst. The purpose of this book is not to get a revelation of some future coming Christ in the eastern sky somewhere out in the future, but to produce the revelation of Jesus Christ in the midst of His people, His saints. The message of this book is more than information. It's destined to lead you and bring you to the unveiling of Jesus Christ within you, Christ in you. He may be in you. He was in me for a long time and I never knew it. It took an unveiling. Now I want to talk about his garment today. His garment. It's probably as far as we'll get. In scripture, a person's garment denoted his rank and position, office, wealth. This one, like a son of man, was was clothed with a garment from his, from the head to the feet. Head to the feet. It was one garment for one body of many members. Notice it was one garment. Now, I just make a note. You you guys have probably heard that the robe and all of that. You know they gambled for the garments of jesus well let me tell you something that 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 garments is gone as the nails is gone and the wood is rotted that he hung on all of that it's it's gone there uh, that's just superstition that's not the garment what is the garment first it's a robe of righteousness remember in scriptures garment denoted rank and position office of wealth it's first a robe of righteousness, a white linen, dressed in white. We're covered with His righteousness. Remember, He's the head, we're the body. We're covered completely with His righteousness. Paul tells us, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll never get the picture until we're able to see that he, has cl- that he was clothed with a garment down to the feet. Not a garment down to the waist, not a garment down to the knees, all the way to the feet. Now the feet represent the walk. You know, this is a book of Revelation, it's full of signs and symbols. The feet represent the walk. The garment of righteousness goes all the way down to his walk. Our walk. Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful upon the mountains, wonder what mountain it is, Mount Zion, are the feet or the spiritual walk of them that publish the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The beauty is in the walking out of the spirit and ways of God. The beauty is in the walk. The beauty is in how we live. Now this one, like a son of man, is clothed with righteousness because he is the righteousness of God. He is the Lord our righteousness. He's, he's clothed. Now, uh, if you get this picture, uh, no flesh is seen. Only Christ can be seen, right? Only Christ can be seen. Uh, he gives us a, a something here in Revelation 18 the church of Laodicea. Listen to what he says in chapter 3, verse 18. I counsel thee, that's you, to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou may be rich, and, and white raiment that thou may be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with thyself that thou mayest see. You know, the shame of thy nakedness, that's the exposed flesh. And now listen, uh, if you, you know, we're trying to picture this son of man. Now he's clothed. Now we're that body that's being clothed. So what, so what do they see in seeing us, the body, they don't see us. They see him who is the righteousness of God. They see the glory of his nature. They don't see us while we're clothed, we're hidden. Uh, Listen, here's, here's a picture here. Here's how Paul says it. Now, listen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 Set your affection, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Hid where? Under the robe. You're covered up in the robe. They can't see you, they can only see him. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Where is he appearing? In the midst of the churches. When they see, they don't see us, they see Him. They see the glory of His nature, the quality of His life, the beauty of His character, the greatness of His authority, the the beauty of His unconditional love, His ever-ongoing patience, His kindness, His grace, His mercy. They see it, His. We're there, we're many members. We're covered in that robe. Put ye on the Lord Jesus The garment is is also the robe of royalty. The the robe of the priest. We're a royal priesthood, uh, Peter says. The qualities of king and priest, and here's one you don't hear too often, but i got to use it right here. And judge are all seen in the characteristics of this one like a son of man. The robe... Of, of Aaron were robes of glory and beauty. The robe of the, of the king speaks of his dignity and honor and power. The robe of the judge set him apart from all men as the voice of wisdom, discernment, authority. Jesus is king. Jesus is priest. And Jesus is judge. Okay, we got to get a hold of that. It's, uh, you know, the Melchizedek. King priest, king of Salem. King priest. We uh, we can't project a loving priest, hear me here, apart from the firm discipline of his rulership. Firm discipline. word disciple, discipline comes from. Discipline. Now, don't think of of an earthly father's discipline that beats you to a pulp. This is the discipline of the Lord. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to bring his children up to be sons. We can't preach the gospel of the kingdom without the mercy and compassion and unconditional love of his priesthood. And we can't have kingship and priesthood without a judge. No government is complete without all three. Christ is the one who stands and judges among his people. You know, it says that, know ye not, the saints shall judge the world. Here's, here's uh, one back in Daniel. Let me get this one for you. Daniel chapter 7. This is talking about the Son of Man here. It says, Behold, one like a son of man. In verse 13, like the Son of Man. But I want to go over, this is not the second coming here. This was him coming, this was his ascension. But listen to what it says in verse 22. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 21. I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Man, I would love to go to Revelation 12 and tell you right there that they was accused day and night, but these overcame by the the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Verse 22, we hear Daniel chapter 7, until the Ancient of Days came, now listen to this close, and judgment was given to the saints. Who was judgment given to? To the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Man, I would love to spend some time there, but I just wanted you to know here we're looking at a one like in the Son of Man, who was king, who was priest, who also was judge. There's great error in the land today, in the church today. We've got a one-sided gospel which appeals to the flesh. And, and, it, and it's here. Now listen, it's God loves you. God's forgiven you. He wants to bless you, meet all your needs, solve all your problems, prosper you. And I want to say, all of that is true, absolutely. Amen. It is all true. <coughs> but if that is where the message stop stops, we're in trouble. We'll produce a race of spoiled spiritual brats who are Immature. Selfish takers and not givers. That's why we have a church. Everybody goes to church to get blessed. Does anybody go to be a blessing? To be a giver? I mean, that's what Peter had become. Silver and gold have a number such as I have, I give. Peter went from being a taker to a giver. And it takes... You know, when you're, when you're young, uh, all a child does is take, right? They don't give. They just take because they're immature. And we have, we have an immature church who just takes and takes and takes and takes. The Lord keeps on giving, but it takes the judge. It takes discipline to bring you on, to mature you. Because these spiritual brats here, when the, when the clouds of adversity and trouble roll in, and the storms hit, the fiery trial breaks out, they'll be frustrated, they'll be fearful, they'll be upset, they'll be angry with God. God, why have you allowed this to happen? So many people come into the church under this one-sided message, and when the fiery trial hits, they're gone. And then some preacher says, well, you must have sinned, and God left you, and all this other stuff. No, why are you thinking a strange thing for this fiery trial that has come upon you? An unbalanced presentation of truth will produce unbalanced saints. And you know this judge here, it talks about the weights being balanced. They're all waiting on the rapture. Jesus Christ wants to reveal Himself in the midst of His body as all three, priest, king, and judge. He he wears the governmental garment of all the branches of the kingdom of God. He must be priest today. He must be king today. He must be judge today. See, they think he's priest. One of these days he's going to be crowned king. And then one of these days he's going to judge. He's all of that today in the midst of the church. That's this garment. Now, what I, I want to say something here's a little side note. You know, we talk about government. I did a, I'm did doing another little um, video on, on socialism. I'm plugging it right here. I'm calling it Socialism, uh, the Government of Evil. I just did the introduction. I'll put it out there. It's on the other channel. Think about that. But All of these things I'm talking about, they, they manifest themselves out in government. Government's all over the world. I mean, have dominion. What is dominion? Dominion is government of the increase of His government. Who's the His? Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ. There shall be no end. It all comes out in government. Government right down even into the home. Now, see, once you destroy that government, chaos ensues. God's not the author of confusion. So, government is it. So, So, this is so key. People don't see the bigger picture. They just... Uh, so all of these things that go on in the world, these mayors of the cities, the governors and presidents and kings and dictators and politicians, all of that is government, and we see its, it's um, results, it's always left wanting. It's always in the lack. It's, it's, it can never bring to completion. It never can. It never will. There's only one that must have dominion. Here, right? The government. The government of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must be priest today. He must be king today. Judge today. Why does He desire us to know Him in this way? Why, why is it His purpose to raise up His kingdom in our hearts? Because where does government take place? In your hearts. If it's not in your heart, then you're found to be a rebel. Right? Why is it the purpose to, to raise up his kingdom in our hearts? So that he can make us priests and kings and judges. He is establishing his throne We're at in us. New heart. It's all government. And is making us kings. Now listen to this. He's establishing his throne in our hearts. Where does he revealed when it please God to reveal his son in me? Establishing his throne in us. We become obedient to that, live in the all of that, in the worship of that, in the praise of that, and is making us kings. Why? In order that he may be able to appear and manifest himself in the midst of the kings as the king of kings. How could he appear as king of kings when there's no other kings? The world will never know him as the king of kings until there are kings among whom he can stand and reveal himself as the king of kings. The world will never know him as high priest until there's a priesthood among whom he can stand and reveal himself as the high priest of the priesthood. The world will never know him as judge until there are judges who have experienced his judgment within, among whom he can reveal himself in his discernment and judicial authority. In these wonderful priests and kings and judges, the demands of God's righteousness and holiness and the outflow of God's compassion and grace and mercy and love are brought together. This is the power, glory, and authority of His kingdom. Of His kingdom. It flows out, not in. Now, in the Bible, those whom God raised up as judges for His people did more than just settle disputes and hand down and execute uh, judicial decisions. We even have a book called Judges. These judges were actually like, they were actually the deliverers of God's people. They were saviors of Israel. You can read the book of Judges, but let me show you one here. Here. Um, the book of Obadiah, the little prophet. Now listen, uh, Obadiah, just one chapter, verse 21. And saviors, plural, shall come upon Mount Zion. Saviors, I told you, saviors shall come upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Saviors, plural, many members, sound of man here saviors Christ the judge stands in the midst of his people for our deliverance and now God has prepared a mighty company of judges whose responsibility it shall be to judge the world in righteousness let's go to Revelation um, chapter 20 I believe verse 4 and I saw thrones And they set upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Who? Those who sat upon the thrones. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Let me say something right there. That's not a literal thousand years. This is a book of symbols. This is Christ's kingdom which is ever ongoing. The kingdom of God never ends. Of the, of, the government, of the increase of His government there shall be no end. It's not a thousand years from January till here a thousand years later. It means the complete full reign un, uh, unhindered reign of Christ. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Man, I can't wait till we get there. We can spend some more time there, but I wanted you to see that. The first aspect of the ministry of the judges in the kingdom of God is judgment. Duh, yeah. And this is followed by ministries of mercy and deliverance and reconciliation and restoration. Where do we meet this judgment at? I mean, how is it? I mean, where did the judgment meet it? met in the cross of Christ, Where did we meet him? We told you before our first meeting place is the brass altar, the cross. It's where I, it's where I came as a sinner. Oh yeah, when I realized, oh my God. I need need a Savior. I I, I don't need a Savior until judgment has come into my heart. Until I've realized I've been convicted that I'm a sinner. How does that conviction come? It comes by the judge. Right? Let me me back up here. The first aspect of the ministry of the judges in the kingdom of God is judgment. And this is followed by... Mercy, deliverance, reconciliation, restoration. There's a beautiful picture of this, again, in Revelation chapter 7. Listen to this. Verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor on any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants, the, the, the bond slaves, of our God in their foreheads. Many truths here, man, and, and we'll, I won't spend much time there. We'll talk about this much later too. But you can, you can see here, and you can discern in the action of the four angels the ministry of judgment. They're holding back the four winds. Now four is the number of, of, of universal four, the four corners of the earth. It's worldwide. And the winds which blow with devastating force are the symbol of judgment. Judgment is ready to come forth upon the whole world. Uh, of the sea and the earth, which represents the multitudes of humanity that dwell spiritually in the sea, which is the lowest realms of wickedness and degradation. The earth is that realm uh, which is lower than the heaven but higher than the sea, the realm of the carnal mind which finds expression in, in the institutions of moral society, religious systems, education, politics, economics, social orders of the world. But as we read here, as they're they're getting ready to unleash, this angel says, wait, an angel ascending from the east, arising as the sun announcing God's new day cries, "Uh, uh, hang on just a second. He says, now wait a minute. I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels who was given to hurt the earth, saying, hurt not the earth. Hold on a minute, that's what he says. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, saying, Hurt not the earth and the sea the trees, till we have sealed the bondservants, that word we talked about back over in the beginning, the bondslaves, the, the pierced ear of our God in their foreheads. The seal in the forehead of God's bondslaves is the mind of Christ. It's not a seal like, you know, 666 or 777. It's, you know, 666, it's, it's the you're of your father, the devil. Uh, here, it's, the seal is holiness unto the Lord. It's the mind of Christ. That's what he's talking about. It's a book of symbols. And what he's saying here in Revelation 7 is, No man is qualified to judge the world until he has been sealed in his forehead with the mind of Christ. mind of Christ. Mind of Christ. You know where I'm going. 1 Corinthians. Let me read that to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. Remember we're talking about the heart here, right? Where his kingdom is established. The throne is established. The things God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed Him. See, people will stop reading that. That's an Old Testament quote. They'll stop reading that. But Paul goes on to say, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. I want to skip verse 11. Go to verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. We haven't taken that mark. You know, the 666, the mind of of that evil one. But the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Can you see the correlation? Discernment. We'll see as we go in. That's what these eyes, these flames of fire was. The feet of brass, judgment, discernment. But here he says, this one that is spiritual here judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, those that are sealed, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. My goodness. My goodness. Only his mind can bring balance between mercy and judgment. Let me show you another scripture. Isaiah. Or not Isaiah, Psalms, I'm sorry. Psalms 85. Verse 9 and 10. Surely, truth. I love that same surely as in Psalm. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. But it's a covenant word. Surely, His salvation is nigh them that fear Him. Them that are in all of Him. That glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. What a summit meeting. You know, our politicians, our governments, they meet and they have these summits. Imagine this. Mercy and truth have met. Righteousness and peace have met and kissed each other. What a summit meeting. Truth and mercy meeting together. When you, when you ponder this union, this overwhelming thought, mercy and truth met together. Uh, I mean, think about this. We don't think about this a lot, but truth is is harsh. Truth is demanding. I mean, the truth will make you free, but I mean, the truth got Jesus crucified. They could not stand the truth. Truth knelt down and wrote with his finger in in, in the dirt. And truth got up and the, they left from the eldest to the, to the youngest. And the woman called in the very act of adultery. Mercy and truth. Truth to the Pharisees. They left. They were disgusted. Truth and mercy to her. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. They met together. Truth is harsh and demanding. Mercy is lenient. It's, it's lax. It's covenant. Truth condemns. Truth stands there in the face of the lie. Truth devours, mercy covers, it exonerates. Only when one has intermingled the ministries of priest and king and judge are these incompatible forces met together, met in the person, the son of man. Only one possessed of this threefold mind of Christ is qualified to control the four winds of judgment that blow upon the sea and upon the earth and the trees. And it's God's judgment and mercy whereby he reconciles and restores all men unto himself. I mean, we first met the Lord in judgment. That's what the cross was. I know we don't like that, but that's where it was at. I mean, that was, you know, that was us save me, Lord, save me, Lord. I mean, that we came in, we were sinner we were the man of darkness. That's where we were and we met there. And, but now he's, he's brought us on. That's where restoration and reconciliation takes place. He, and, and listen to this, God's judgments are not vindictive. We, we, the fallen man is vindictive. But God's judgments, they're purposeful, they're remedial, they're always redemptive. And only the Son of Man company clothed with the garment of priesthood. And judge and king can set things right and set creation free. Make creation free. That's the garment. Now, next week, I'm going to close with that. Next week, we're going to be talking about the rest of those. uh, We'll start out with these... uh, Girt about the paps with the golden girdle. His head and his hair were like wool. White as snow and his eyes were flame of fire. Feet as fine brass. We got, see, we're going into a lot of detail here. So I hope you'll stay with us. And I want to mention one more thing. Uh, I know a lot of you watch on Facebook. Uh, just to help the algorithms, if you hit the like button. Uh, if you got any comments, uh, shoot them to me. And those watching on YouTube, I would ask you this. Hit the like button. That keeps the algorithm going. And hit the share button or I mean, you can share it if you want, but the main thing is hit the subscribe button because the more subscribers, the more it gets out there. We're trying to get this out there, as many people as we can. So uh, I want to thank you. You guys stay safe. Hope to see you Sunday, and God bless you all.